Hey there, welcome to SaaS Unbound Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Dana, a head of growth at SaaS Group, a serial acquirer buying wonderful SaaS businesses to take them to the next level. Here I chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business success. And today, super happy to see Vlad Gosman with me here, co-founder of Involve Me. Uh, on a mission to enable marketing and sales teams from SMBs and enterprise companies to improve their customer experience and gather better customer data. data. And I have to mention a former rapper. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. My first idea was like, when I say that, I will blast your son. <laughs> but... <laughs> Thank you for not I'll doing it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just link it <laughs> below in the comments. All right. But like I said, super happy to see you here. So, um, yeah, before uh, we go you know, deeper into the journey, uh, could you maybe talk a little bit about your background and the inspiration behind the company? Sure. Um, I don't want to start too far back, but um, I think uh, we, we discussed a bit about that uh, beforehand, my, my uh, first entrepreneurial experience or what I consider to be my first entrepreneurial experience was, uh, was uh, uh, producing, writing and publishing uh, a rap album uh, on, on my own, like in an independent label uh, fashion uh, with a few friends um, uh, back uh, in my late teens to my early 20s. So, uh, so yeah, that was, that was quite a ride. Um, it was also my first touch point with digital, like setting up uh, the online store for it and uh, promoting it. Uh, uh, that was back in Romania um, in early 2000s. So uh, quite some time has passed. Um, along the road, um, I had a few touch points with different entrepreneurial experiences. Um, and uh, I, I moved to Vienna, Austria in, in 2010 from, from Romania. So I relocated. And here I, um, I searched for the upcoming burgeoning startup scene, uh, found uh, sort of the right people. And um, together with, with some of them, I, um, I co-founded a few companies. Some of them miserably failed, um, but some of them were, were quite successful. All of them were in, in the SaaS area, more or less. A notable success was um, a company called Adverity, which is, uh, which is a scale-up now. It's VC-backed. I was there at, in, in its early days being the product guy and co-CEO of it for, for two years. After a, a part exit uh, from it, I started uh, on a new venture. Um, this was early 2000. Uh, 17. Um, it's also uh, quite a while back. And um, it, it was something completely different than involved me. It was, uh, we started uh, out as a CMS for virtual reality applications. Yeah, I see you. I, I, I see you nodding your head okay. in disbelief. Um, yeah, um, obviously, it's, uh, we, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> but uh, but we, we prototyped something and tried it out. The market wasn't really not there, uh, at that time. It's still, it's still not there. Uh, I believe for, for, for a really monetizable SaaS product in, in that area. Um, just too many unknowns. The market didn't develop, uh, into the hype. But, but while, while doing it, one of my co-founders, he had an agency, a digital boutique agency. And, uh, for some of the customers that he had, we started sort of building out, uh, these landing pages and, and embeddable content pieces for them to interact with their customers better, get some data in the process. They had a lot of quiz features to them and out of it grew what today has become Involve Me. Uh, I think it was a great testing bed because we were kind of forced to monetize somehow uh, and we did it in an agency fashion. But then talking to the customers, we found pretty quickly that there might be a SaaS product uh, out there. And, you know, um, we asked them the usual like, hey, couldn't we just take off the shelf type form and just build something for you with that? Um, and yeah, we found out there that they're lacking some essential things uh, and features and uh, that validated the idea of, okay, there might be, uh, there might be something there in this relatively crowded market. <laughs> 
Right. Yeah. Super cool. Like you said, it was relatively crowded back then already. So already, yeah. uh, that was a very bold move to to try and build something completely different or differentiate yourself from from what's already on the market. So uh, what is the problem uh, that you're solving? I mean, I know that your mm -hmm. kind of big message is that you're uh, a no code builder. So mm -hmm. how important was this message in acquiring the first customers? Mm -hmm. uh, because as you said, you started as an agency, right? So I would assume you were doing this for your clients, right? How important was giving that freedom to your client to build something uh, on their own? Sure. So maybe to uh, take two steps back and uh, sort of position involve me. So what we're basically on a mission to make it as easy as possible for businesses to involve their customers in meaningful digital interactions. Um, and within these digital interactions, um, in the best case scenario, they can gather valuable zero party data and know who their customers are better so they can serve them better. And to achieve this, um, we leverage uh, no code, as you said, and AI to simplify and automate the creation, personalization, and automation of forms, surveys, quizzes, and the likes for, for businesses. Um, now, the people who use uh, our, our tool um, are uh, usually marketers and sales teams from, from SMBs. Um, and for them, uh, automating as much as possible and having uh, the least amount of development time spent on it is essential. Um, they not only want to get uh, to market fast, they also want to have constant iterations. Um, so we save them time, we save them cost, and hopefully we can also um, create something better than they would have with a custom solution. Okay, that's wonderful. I think, I mean, being a marketer, honestly, anything that you can do without involving a developer is great because... Like you said, it's it's saving so much time and it's giving you a lot of freedom and like moving along with, with whatever you're doing, with testing, uh, mm. whatever you're testing. So I think that's a great, um, a great thing to to uh, to do. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I, I think that the two you said it in the, in the beginning, right? It was already back then a relatively crowded market and uh, um, Looking, uh, looking at today, it's even more so. Um, so for us, um, across the journey, uh, it was important to uh, pinpoint uh, not only you know our ICP, but also like how we differentiate um, in 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 this market and where do we provide the most value? Because obviously, involve me can be used across different touch points uh, in the customer journey, um, and I think I want to highlight just two. Uh, two of our sort of main differentiators. We looked at um, this customer journey and we focused primarily on the beginning. So lead generation and qualification is where we develop the product and the features uh, more towards um, even from the beginning. So, you know, we have um, features within Involve Me that enable you to do scoring um, of leads, to do verification and the likes, do custom paths. Um, so you can create content pieces like, um, you know, product recommenders, product finders, custom price quotes. Um, and this enables you to automate this inbound sales process, this in lead generation and qualification process. So that's sort of on the, on, on the one side. And then uh, secondly, we, we looked at emerging trends and obviously we didn't do that in the beginning. We launched it in early 2019, but uh, over the last two, two and a half years, we, um, we saw AI as this big opportunity. Um, so even before it got really into the consumer space with ChatGPT. So before that, the APIs of uh, GPT-3 were, were available. So we started playing with it. Um, and we looked at gen, generative AI and how we could um, integrate it across some value uh, areas uh, within the product. And we identified three 
um, at the creation stage, at the personalization stage, and then later at the analysis, um, where we integrated AI features and we sort of made our, our tool AI powered. So I think these are the two, the two things where we sort of differentiate and then, and also the, uh, why customers sort of, um, uh, start with involve me. And then once they, once this works for them, they sort of expand, uh, the usage of the tool in other, um, touch points, you know, stuff like net promoter score, measuring customer satisfaction, for instance, or creating onboarding surveys and onboarding flows as two, two examples. Yeah. That's fascinating. So when, uh, the AI wave hit, you were like, been there, <laughs> you were like, we were, we were the first. That's great. Uh, okay. So, um, what do you think is AI, uh, you know, now, uh, again, adding something to uh, to involve me in terms of like messaging. When people have you noticed anything, you know, since that trend has become so big, uh, that people are you know coming to involve me more because of that. And like, or has AI the the fact that you're powered by AI changed um, your customer acquisition or customer interaction in any way? Yeah, great, great question. So I think you can look at it in, in two ways. Um, one, obviously you piggyback a bit on, on the hype. So it, uh, definitely, uh, delivers eyeballs, but, um, but that's only part of the story and it's actually the less interesting one. I think in terms of acquisition, yes, it can help to be AI powered, but it's also not necessarily, um, clear how how that is in the in the beginning so where we see the the more interesting part is actually uh if you can leverage ai uh to to really speed up a process automate a process or really deliver business value at the end of the day so let's break it down maybe uh um systematically on on um on the first part um delivering eyeballs getting um getting new users into involve me right we've um we've created a way to automate the um generation of forms and surveys right you just type in a url and it um it takes all your brand assets um you give it a description of what you want to do with either your form survey and likes and then and then it generates variations um of uh, really uh, finished uh, forms, surveys, quizzes that you can that you can take and run with. Obviously, you can edit them, and uh, in a lot of cases, you should. Uh, but um, but it saves um, it saves hours of work. So that's a, a pretty enticing value prop. Um, so that uh, that is, I would say, enough to get people into the tool and see. Okay, does this work for me? Um, now, in terms of delivering real business value uh, later on, I think we singled out two areas. One is um, the personalization. So um, within Involve Me, you can use you can use an AI generated text element where basically it enables you to deliver uh, personalized feedback and responses to each individual user according to what uh, feedback and responses they give in a flow. And the, the last but not least, once you've, um, you have, uh, form surveys, uh, running, uh, you have data in the back, we looked at how can we use AI to automate insights, basically. So we created an AI based automated report that, uh, uh, looks at the data, you know, sifts through it, uh, summarizes it, uh, picks out key findings, uh, showcases them to you, gives you uh, maybe also recommendations on, uh, on your use case and next steps. And it does that again in a few seconds and you can download it as a PDF. So all of these put together deliver like a package where, where we say it's not, it's not a gimmick. It's, it's something that you, we can see real value delivered to our customers. So. The things that we've built are not simple wrappers around uh, around another uh, AI API. 
they there there's there are some workflows behind that um that there's some uh, pre-processing of data that we do there are several um several apis that we use um and and in conjunction with each other and yes it's tied to cost but what we've done is we've created a way to um to monetize that so um so it's not only included in plans while when you start using it at scale um, you have to purchase AI credits. So it's kind of usage-based. So we can actually really quickly uh, see, is that something that people use? Um, and is that something that people purchase then as an add-on uh, in, in their plans? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. It's, uh, it's, it's been on a ramp-up phase. And, uh, and I, the ones that... Uh, that I would say actually discovered it. Uh, they are using it. They're purchasing add-ons, and it delivers value to them. That's fascinating. That was actually my question. Thank you for for elaborating. Because yeah, uh, AI. I mean, it's the hype. It's the trend. Everyone wants it, but there is a cost. There is there is a very clear cost to it, and a lot of companies don't uh, understand how fast it compounds. Uh, so uh, my question actually was. Since you introduced AI to the platform, to your customers, how did you price that? Um, because pricing AI is a bit of a challenge. I mean, pricing is a challenge overall, right? But pricing AI solutions, I mean, there hasn't been data. There hasn't been a lot of like use cases, especially successful ones. So how do founders, like what founders do you rely on? Um, mm -hmm. so in your case, how did you come up with this, like usage-based pricing and the credits, uh, what, uh, tipped you off that this is going to be something that would work for you? Yeah, that's a great question. And, uh, yeah, I think pricing is an ongoing thing for, for founders and it's never completely solved. And, uh, uh we all should think about pricing more and experiment more, but it's hard in practice. I mean, every operator knows uh, that uh, it's nice to talk about uh, a lot of A-B testing and price changes periodically, but it's, it's tied and associated to so many additional dependencies and costs and opportunity costs and so forth. So actually for us, it was great to have this opportunity open up uh, because um, we immediately thought of it as this can be an add-on. So Involve Me is a, is a subscription-based business. We're freemium, so you can start for free, um, use it for personal projects for free, um, and then you scale with your usage. And then the plans offer, obviously, feature extended features but also um, a certain amount of uh, of usage within each plan um, so it's not usage based in the sense right it's not as you pay only for what you use but you pay for a certain amount of usage and if you hit that great if not you're still you're still in that plan now in in terms of looking at ai we looked at how the ai model providers um, price it, right? So how are we getting charged? Um, and how can we make a fair, but still um, a, a profitable solution uh, to pass that cost on to our customers, but only if, uh, if it's successful and if it's, uh, and if it's used. So uh, what we did is we created uh, our own billing uh, for, for it. So we created an AI credit system so you can um within each uh, of of your subscription plans there are already some ai credits so you can already start to see it in action and uh, see if it provides value to you without additional cost so there is sort of is a base uh, a baseline and then for those who who find value in it and they start using it Obviously, the cost compound, as you uh, as you mentioned, and then they hit uh, they hit that ceiling for for their plan, and they can purchase add-ons. And uh, these these add-ons are um, basically credit packages um, that they can use throughout the lifetime. They're not tied then to their uh, to their monthly subscription. They're more in control. Um, so we pass on the cost with uh, a certain margin, um, and it's in a I would say fair and usage based way. When you see the value, you can uh, you can purchase your credit add-ons. 
This episode is sponsored by Rewardful.com. Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business? Consider adding an affiliate program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage, and scale for SaaS companies. Log your customer acquisition cost and only pay affiliates based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Building a successful affiliate program can be a little bit intimidating figuring out where to get started. That's where Rewardful has taken what they've observed from their most successful customers' affiliate programs and distilled that into an exclusive online course. The exciting part? Their affiliate marketing course is absolutely free. And by joining the waitlist today, you'll get early access to it as soon as it goes live. Join the waitlist at rewardful.com course, rewardful.com course, and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. Okay, I think that's really smart. Uh, yeah, I I haven't I haven't heard about other companies doing that, like introducing AI credits as an add-on in the SaaS. I should do my research. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for elaborating. Uh, I mean, uh, when I did the intro and like when I when I went to your website, it said uh, you are solving this problem for SMBs and enterprise customers, right? But at the same time. You're talking about freemium, uh, you're talking about uh, mostly serving other SaaS companies and kind of sensing PLG here. Uh, but, uh, and I also know that you don't have a sales team. Mm -hmm. So how does it work with enterprises? Did you crack the code how to make enterprises buy with a credit card? Or <laughs> is there actually some kind of sales motion that you have? in the company that works with enterprises? Yeah, great, uh, great question. So uh, um, to where to pick up on this, um, I think there are several uh, aspects of, of it. On the one side, yes, so we're freemium, we're, we have a, a product-led growth motion in place. It's tied to a self-service way of using the tool, a self-service onboarding, if you will. Um, now that makes, uh, everything rel uh, have relatively low friction. It's a scalable setup that um, basically it led us to, to achieve uh, profitability fast because it, we, uh, it was not tied to, as you said, a sales team. We say uh, SMB and enterprise. Yes, we have a few enterprise customers uh, and we're moving more and more mid-market, but our, the bulk of our customers are still SMBs. So we have a few thousand customers, the lion's share of them um, onboard themselves. They, of course, we have customer support, but they use it in a self-service manner. Um, now, the few enterprise customers that we have, we identified them pretty early on, and we have a sort of a mechanism in place that is not perfect by any stretch, but we're, I'm, I'm happy to, to share what, what we do and we're constantly improving on it um, as we speak. So it's, it might be interesting to say that we use Involve Me uh, within Involve Me wherever we can. So, you know, the old adage, uh, eating your own dog food, it helps us um, obviously know the tool better, uh, as, uh, as users ourselves, uh, within our own use cases and improve it over time, but it also really brings value to, uh, to our processes. So, uh, one way where we use it in, um, in this context is once, once you register, um, we do a short onboarding, uh, flow and that onboarding survey is built with involve me and constantly, uh, constantly iterated on and improved. Um, and we ask a few questions in that flow and, um, basically we find out about the profile. We enrich that data with, uh, with some external, um, sources. And at the end, we will drive you uh, towards the best path for, for, for your use cases and for your industry, showcasing you the templates that would fit so you can really get going fast and realize if, if Involve Me is, is the right fit. With that data, we can, we kind of know, right? Are you now in what bucket are you? Uh, and if you're in that um, enterprise bucket, then um, a process is kickstarted uh, in customer success. So within our customer support team, we have uh, customer success. 
And um, we, uh, after, after a, a certain given time, we look, uh, we look at their projects and what they started, and we start to reach out, also automated, but with some, uh, with some personalization in it according to, to their use case and what they started doing. And that is the way we, um, we sort of activate, um, these type of customers. You've hinted at the fact that, uh, you know, enterprises, uh, they usually don't take their, out their credit card, uh, and try out the product. Yes, they don't. So what happens is they have needs like, um, you know, going through a security review, looking at, uh, and holding, um, and, um, how we handle that is, so we don't have a sales team in place, but with the customer success team, uh, and we pinpoint the select few, um, uh, potential customers that where it makes sense with some of them, we have an, an onboarding call. And from that on, it really, it, it becomes a rarefied, uh, area. So there are just a few sort of that go down, down the path. And some of them we've been able to convert to, to paying customers, even without a sales team in motion as, uh, in a sales team in place or a sales motion. Yeah. Okay. That's nice. That's great. I mean, uh, you started talking about the way, uh, you onboard people and, uh, in no way I'm like comparing you guys, but it did interview with, um, Aitken Tang, the co-founder of Jotform, uh, mm -hmm. so also in your space. Right. And what he yes. was talking about is exactly that, like just not showing not just throwing your customer user in the pool of all the features and all the forms and everything that you have inside, but kind of slowly just driving them towards that feature that would bring the aha moment uh, to, you know, to figure out as fast as they can, if that's the tool for them. Because if you showed like the entire depth of the product right away, it's just confusing. And I can second every word there. So I think that's a great, uh, that's a great way to go. Um, all right. So, uh, I have a few more questions, uh, that I really, really wanted to ask, uh, because it, I, uh, learned that at some point you've used, um, lifetime deals. Also fascinating topic. <laughs> uh, a lot of people have some horror stories to share. Um, but, mm. How do you work for you at first? Like, how did you decide that this is the way to go? Because uh, you started in 2019. And I mean, a lot of founders, uh, again, on the podcast who started in 2019, 2020 said back then it wasn't even a question doing bootstrapped or VC funded because like the money was just out there. You just had to take mm -hmm. it. You went the other way. Um, so, yeah. How did you end up with LTDs? Uh, were there any challenges? And obviously the most important question, um, did any of the customers that purchased the LTD convert <laughs> into MRR? Okay. Uh, great questions. And I think, uh, very important to talk about, uh, about these, uh, these things also for, for other founders looking into doing something similar. So I'm, I'm happy to share maybe, uh, to give some context. So I, I mentioned before. Previously to, to starting what has become Involve Me and pre previously to, to, to going uh, prototype the, the route of prototyping the VR CMS uh, that failed, I was uh, one of the co-founders of, of Adverity, which is a, an enterprise-focused SaaS in the data analytics space, reporting ETL for, for marketing data. I've, um, I've seen it um, over the years, also from the sidelines after exiting, um, it, it went the VC route, right? So it's raised over 120 million, um, you know, hundreds of employees, uh, internationalized and, and so forth. Um, so I, I've got, I've got a sense of what that means. And when starting involve me, um, or at the point where we saw, okay, there might be, uh, there might be a SaaS product here. Um, the company was already in place for the VR, uh, uh, CMS. So, but when we, when we decided, okay, we pivot and we move all resources here and we're, uh, we're stopping this agency, uh, thing and go all in on, uh, on SaaS is, uh, where I started to sort of, um, 
think about the road ahead. Um, and I think my, my thought process went, um, in, is this a 10 million or is this a hundred million business? What I did in the process since Vienna, uh, for better or worse is, um, is a village. I can knock on a lot of doors and, uh, and they open and I can have honest talks with some very experienced founders and VCs, um, so I did that and I, I got a sense of, um, of how they see it, um, going for forward and with the advice that I got and sort of my own thinking, I decided that, uh, that the best way to go about it is, uh, and the most healthy way to go about it, uh, from a financial perspective is to bootstrap it. Now, to be fair, we did a small angel round, but it was more out of validating again uh the trajectory and the business idea and it was a friend friends uh friendly angel round so people we we knew from from the scene we also still hold uh the the vast majority of uh, of the shares in the company giving us full uh, autonomy um and also the angels were never really um operatively involved so we we financed it a bit with that we financed it with our own um with our own money but to really uh kickstart it we still needed more <laughs> uh and uh we had a few customers from like the agency customers that we converted into subscription um customers or saas customers we had some money in the bank but really to go uh to go all in um we and and really invest time in in developing features and sort of bringing it up to speed we needed uh, more money and we decided not to go the vc route and we looked for alternative financing and so it was a deliberate decision not to do vc and then it was a deliberate decision to search for something else. And the LTD um, route was something that we saw uh, happening at that time um, in 2017, 2018, and going into 2019. And there are some platforms like AppSumo, obviously, I think is the, the main one. And our thinking was uh, looking at it and sort of trying to analyze how, how this works. Also talking to a few companies that had uh, done uh, lifetime deals on platforms. Um, I think we got a sense of, okay, this, there is a slight, uh, chance that, that some of these companies just stay, uh, lifetime deal companies forever. Like they get trapped in this loop of, uh, okay, you offer it once for free and then you just, you just keep on offering everything for one payment. We definitely were weary of that. So we wanted to stay, uh, do, do our best to not become that and, we knew why we want to do it. So we wanted like cash infusion at once. We knew that, or our expectation was that most of these uh, lifetime deal customers will not necessarily convert into MRR, but will give us the en enough cash infusion to not do any institutional financing. And what we did is we found, we found a closed group that was a few thousand people. Um, and it was a group, uh, they had a group on Facebook, a closed group, and, um, they were, um, they had a few channels and we got into that group and did a lifetime deal with far better conditions as well than, than on, on platforms. So us getting the, the lion's share of, um, of the lifetime deal and not the platform. And it was very clear how many people will, will have access to it, how our sort of reputation will be managed and so forth. And that worked out very well for us, I would say. Um, and it had one additional added benefit, the fact that the, uh, a percentage of these, um, lifetime deal buyers were extremely invested in us, our success. So we had. I would say the best type of customer, even though they were not recurring, they gave, uh, and to this day, uh, still give amazing product feedback. So it helped us twofold. I would say it helped us, uh, finance, um, the, the early development, get to profitability pretty fast. Also pick the right features and, and helped us with roadmap. Interesting. This is not the first story when a founder says, you know, we didn't go with AppSumo or any other uh, platform. We just chose like a smaller group just to make sure we keep 
uh, you know, the tabs and like how many people are involved and like how many uh, lifetime deals we're selling. Mm. Because like you said, if you uh, maybe open this to uh, like an enormous pool of, of potential customers, buyers, then um, yeah, there could be some repercussions. So yeah, really yeah, smart. I think it comes with some some reputation attached to it, right? So then you know it like it it, um, it you have then the lifetime deal branding a bit attached a bit attached to you, and of course you you can shake it off, and you should. Um, I mean, we're in it for building recurring revenue businesses. Uh, that's the appeal of of SaaS. Yeah, I think when when trying to do this, my advice would be, and this is what we try to do, is to be very deliberate of why we do it, what we want to achieve with it, and then really get going and start to focus on uh, on recurring revenue and, uh, and building up MRR. And that's what we did. I think the percentage of, I couldn't give you an exact percentage, but if you convert it into MRR, but over t like in the beginning, definitely a few, but over time uh, we started adding new things. Like I, I told you, the AI features are uh, add-ons that you need to purchase, right? So uh, they're usage-based, there is an associated cost to them. It's clear to everyone that there is an associated cost to them. So you don't have to um, really make the case for it. It's pretty clear. Um, so I think that, that, uh, side of things started working, um, for us also in this kind of, um, customer group. Yeah. Okay. So you could use some expansion MRR to, to really boost your growth. That's great. All right. So just a couple more questions because you, you mentioned, uh, you know, that Vienna is a village and you raised a, a small <laughs> angel round, uh, and, uh, you know, I won't name any names, but I know some of your angel investors and, mm. uh, you know, they, they also have successful companies. They're very, you know, prominent, um, members of, of SaaS industry. I don't know. Some, some say you cannot call SaaS an industry. I will anyway, how to, if, you know, if that's even a concern for you or even a question of, of any kind, how do you navigate, uh, maybe not, uh, them being involved operationally, but still, you know, there is maybe a little bit of pressure of their success or, you know, a little bit of pressure of a piece of advice that they're giving, like how to navigate your roadmap and your vision of the product and the company and the culture that you're building with potentially the opinion of your angel investors? That's a great question. And um, something that uh, I think every founder asks themselves if they're in this position. So to reiterate, um, in our case, it's a friendly angels round uh, where they're, they have not been actively involved in operative decision-making. Um, nonetheless, uh, I took it, I would say, extreme... Uh, care uh and uh, and respect for uh for their commitment and for their trust that they gave along with their financing in in us as founders um so to honor that we we sort of implemented some processes where they get updated uh periodically on our progress even though they don't actively request it i think it's a it, it was at least in the in the beginning when kickstarting it it was a great exercise because it gives you as a founder also the opportunity to take a step back and put all the thoughts in place for that you know in the operative hustle uh and bustle of the of the day-to-day -day, you maybe uh get too much lost in the details uh it's a good exercise periodically whether it's quarterly or even if it's one if it's once a year to do like an, an overview where do we stand how have we hit our goals what are our future goals uh, okrs you know all of these things and um if you have to do it for or if you i imposed it on myself to be frank so it's not something that anybody requested i knew it comes with a certain sense of responsibility when somebody entrusts uh any amount of money uh to to me so i i respect that and i also see it as an opportunity for me to get something out of it in terms of structuring my ideas and my goals 
so that's how I go about it. Absolutely. Yeah, great. No, I mean, uh, I, I think if, if you're in this, you know, financial relationship with your investor or like potential acquirer even, uh, I think it's important to, yeah, like you said, I think it's a great point to just impose it on yourself and just make sure that you're clear with your vision, with your goals and you're like uh, keeping tabs on it. But it's also about, you know, honoring the uh, the relationships that you have and yes. just actively contributing to them and like making sure that everyone's on the same page, you know, how, how everything's going. So I think that's a great point. All right. So uh, two more questions, the usual ones, <laughs> um, the ones that we absolutely love here on the podcast. Um, what so far has been the biggest win and the biggest failure? Um, oh man, when it comes to failures, it's hard to pick because there are like a lot of them, obviously, along the way. Um, <laughs> and you're getting um, a journal, like, <laughs> yeah, just like, uh, let's see, uh, where, where should we start? Uh, I won't get into the trauma, but I would, uh, um, so I'll, I'll focus it not on my journey, but on Involve Me's journey, um, just to set the stage for, for this. And so let's start with, uh, let's start with a failure. So. If I would pick um, one of the biggest failures at the beginning is um, we started developing the product um, horizontally um, and I think it could have killed us in hindsight. It didn't, uh, luckily. What I mean by that is when I look at Involve Me now, um, yeah, you can implement it across the customer journey. So it's very, very horizontal. There's tons of use cases that, that you can do for it. Now, in the beginning, I mentioned that the main use case for it is lead gen, so at the beginning of the funnel, if you will. But that was not clear in the beginning. So we did a lot of horizontal development, uh, catering to too many use cases and not solving one particular really well. And I think um, there is this old uh, saying that uh, there's where there's a lot of truth to it, that there's riches and niches. Um, so I would say we should have uh, picked it sooner as it would have um, enabled us to, to hit uh, product market fit sooner. Um, today, uh, now it is more of a benefit as, uh, we're in a good place, we're growing, we're profitable, and we cover uh, a lot of big feature surface areas. So that helps with expansion stuff that we mentioned before. Um, so yeah, I think that was, that was the biggest failure in the beginning. It turned out now well, and, uh, it's a uh, kind of a benefit that nowadays, a um, <laughs> but it's a definitely a learning and uh, you should not take that risk. Uh, um, the biggest win. Hmm. So when we started, PLG was not a term, I, at least not a term that, was, that I was aware of. Uh, and it was definitely not thrown around like it is today on LinkedIn and, uh, and the likes. But uh, what we did uh, really well is that we went global from day one. It was a very deliberate decision. Um, not, although we had these development customers, if you will, from the agency activity that we turned into SaaS customers, they were local or DAC regions, so German speaking area. Um, but then, um, we really quickly tried the U S market. So we went global from, from day one, uh, and we did it with the PLG self-service motion. I think the decision to do that. And we took money and we, we, we did what I think a lot of people recommend not doing, or we invested in paid ads. Uh, and we, uh, we went on paid search to see if we can crack a few, uh, keyword categories. And luckily we did. Um, uh, so that enabled us to really try out a, a lot of different markets with the self-service motion in place. Um, it was low friction. Um, it was a scalable setup that basically led us to achieve profitability fast. Um, and as I said, without really the need for institutional money. That's so, yeah, great. I think you're only the <laughs> second founder that said, Hey, you know, nothing bad about Google ads. It actually gives you a really fast validation from real people. Um, yeah, of course it is expensive, but once you kind of nail that, 
you know where you know where is the money spent and how you're making up for it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, the, this this validation uh, cycle, this feedback cycle that you get to it uh, on that scale is um, really unparalleled. Um, and especially for us, I told you, I think the two, the big, the win and fail tie together because we had a horizontal uh, product and Google search enabled us to to really get uh, get quick feedback if uh, if it really ties into the needs um, of the masses. There is a caveat to it, right? Uh, a paid search uh, is uh, expensive, and it um, although it is kind of predictable, it gets less predictable over time because also the cost is just constantly growing. So. Also for us, it was, um, it was very good to do that uh, in the beginning, but then quickly we also expanded, uh, and it's definitely not the main, uh, channel for us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for, for the details. All right. So the last question is a hack. Uh, so <laughs> is there any hack that, you know, helps you grow the company? Um, I know that you're a small team and, um, you know, you went, uh, global right away. You have amazing angel investors. What helps you do all that successfully? Is there any hack that you could share? There are quite a few, um, there are quite a few. I mean, there is that time when we broke product hunt, but I, I don't think it's possible anymore because we did it so much that they changed their terms and don't allow for it anymore. <laughs> so what we did is we, um, when we launched Involve Me, we obviously use Product Hunt, uh, as, um, so many others do, but we did it very strategically and planned a, a launch for it and lev leveraged also the LTD, um, community to sort of push everything up. And we, we managed to do uh, first product of the day. So we got tons of eyeballs, a lot of traffic and so forth. And a hack that we did then for um, the next 12 months is that we, for every major uh, new uh, product uh, development and release that was sort of tie opening up a bit of a new, of a new area, we packaged it as a new product on launch. So it, Basically, we packaged it as a new product. Even though it was sort of a feature with an Involve Me, we put out a, land, a standalone landing page for it and sort of um, described that use case as a standalone product. One example might be, um, you know, you, you can use Involve Me to accept payments. We have five different payment gateways that you can connect with an Involve Me and use the forms to, um, to accept payments. And you can create these product finders and then tie them to actual sales. So you can create sales funnels with Involve Me. Um, so what we did is out of this, we actually had two, uh, three releases. Uh, one was a sales funnel builder. The other one was accepting payments uh, in forms uh, or forms with payments accept, uh, acceptance. And um, the third was um, accepting subscriptions. And we did quite a few of these. So if you look at uh, on my profile on Product Hunt, you'll find that I uh, launched uh, tons of products. Uh, actually, most of them are involved me. Um, and it worked for getting traffic and eyeballs on involve me. Up to a point where uh, somebody from Product Hunt reached out to us with sort of a cease and desist email, and uh, they also changed their terms, <laughs> so so they uh, prohibit this this hack. I think it's still uh, perfectly valid to if you do like major releases to do another Product Hunt release, but uh, but yeah, not for for features that are packaged <laughs> as products. Right. Okay. But I think. Uh... Now it could be even easier because like now you can, uh, I think before like a year ago, a couple of years ago, you could only like post a new product like once in six months. And now it's basically like you can do it like every day if so you want they, to. They, they, they apparently they changed it then. Uh, but the six months thing that, that came after we did this, uh, this, oh, this no, act, you... basically. <laughs> so you did actually break product hunt. <laughs> it's down people <laughs> you know to blame okay oh no that's interesting <laughs> but, i mean uh, uh, a more 
a more sorry to interrupt you, but a more actionable actionable hack uh, I think for us uh, another strategy that worked well is native integrations. So uh, within Involve Me, you obviously we started off with Zapier and uh, offer it of course to this day. Um, you know, Zapier offers tons of flexibility and it developed over time um, really really. Well, but what we also did is we started doing uh, native integrations to the most used tools to sort of spare uh, another cost for our customers. And uh, this is a strategy that has worked very well for us as we have now around, uh, I, I can't say the exact number. I'm not, I'm not sure when this comes out, but uh, we'll have definitely over 35 native integrations, you know, to, the, to all the marketing and sales stack. Uh, the CRMs, the Salesforces, HubSpots, the the marketing automation tools like uh, Active Campaign and you know, Clavio, and this also opened for us new acquisition channels. I would say because we're present on the marketplaces of uh, of these tools, um, we're discoverable within within those tools. So I think that is also a, a, a nice strategy. Uh, not sure if it's a hack, but uh, it's a long-term strategy, yeah. I'd say. But it, yeah, it's a very valid strategy. Thank you for sharing it. All right. Well, uh, you know, so uh, so much stuff that that you shared today. It was uh, it was really great. I mean, I really loved learning about your journey, and uh, fascinated to see you know what uh, you're going to to do this year. Um, so yeah, uh, happy to do it again sometime. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for being here. Anna, thanks for, for having me. It's been a pleasure and happy to, to come back in, uh, in a while and talk more. Yeah, thank you and take care. That was yet another awesome conversation on SaaS Unbound. We're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders. And if you're one, reach out to me directly at anna at saas.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS, but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS group a founder-friendly private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit saas.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours. <laughs>